Hey, listen to Commander Cookout Podcast, episode 121. I'm Brando. I'm here with Ryan, and today we're going to revisit our archetype rundown. Now, hit our theme song! Hey, Ryan. We're back for yet another whirlwind adventure. How you doing? Good. What's going down? Whole ton is going down, but before we get into any of that, we have to thank our sponsors over at FaceToFaceGames.com, Canada's biggest magic store, for uh, picking us up and uh, helping us get out there to the masses. Let's get right into our giveaway with them. Ooh, giveaway with them. If you go to FaceToFaceGames.com, make sure you add the games. Very much so. Very, very... That is all we'll say. Very important you do that. Sign up for an account and... Leave a comment on one of our videos or somewhere on their site. Maybe you make an order and they have that little, would you like to send any kind of note to the seller? Oh, yeah. F.E. Jesse did that. Yeah, man. Say Brando and Ryan from Commander Cookout Podcast sent you. Screenshot that shit. Send it off to us. We'll get you entered in to win $25 credit at face-to-facegames.com for your freshly created account. Very excellent. Yeah. Where else can they find us? They can also find us on CCO Podcast and CCO Brando on Twitter and tappedout.net or commandercookout at gmail.com if you like the new digital snail mail. You can also find us on patreon.com slash CCO Podcast. That's where you can support the show, see the pre-show, check out lots of good stuff there. We're also on Facebook, iTunes, anywhere your better podcasts are found anywhere, face-to-facegames.com, as we have already mentioned. And if you want to see a full and total rundown of all the places you can find us on the internet, you can check out the show notes below or... See the social media tab at our official official home on the entire internet, commandercookout.com. Did you say YouTube in there? Nope. YouTube. YouTube as well. We have lots of great video content. If you're looking to enter in to win The Dark, which we'll get into in just a second. We just did the dark video. We did a The Dark, Darkter. Darkter? Darkter? I think it might be my favorite video we've done so far. So check that out over on YouTube. We're CCO Podcast there as well. Like, share, subscribe, smash that like button, give it a brown Steven. We'll get you entered in to win something from the foil bag. Do we Google that? Absolutely not. I invented that like five years ago. I'm sure it's on Urban Dictionary now, and it is heinous. Okay. Uh, well, if you do that to the like button, maybe you get something out of the foil bag. Absolutely. I think I got some, I think I got some foils that we could throw in the foil bag. I'm trying to theme one from each deck that we do for the arcs. Like oh, I'll yeah? try and get like a bird. I have a bird of some I forget what bird it is. But they're they're nothing special. But hey, it's something. It's a thank you. We can sign them. We can write on them. You get a fun letter from me. It's I like doing that stuff. Yeah, very much so. Most valuable thing you'll get, CCO sticker. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. You know what we forgot to mention over the last couple weeks or so is New patron sign-up for the Ark of the Audience 2.0, The Revenge, as you say. Yes. We've got janky-ass proxies that came in from a (laughs) a collection I bought a little while ago, and I've sent a couple out where we've just signed them or whatever, but uh, new patrons will get a jank-ass proxy signed by us and, of course, CCO stickers for all new sign-ups. Yes. So head on over to Patreon if you can and or are willing to support the show. And you can use that CCO sticker you get. You can put it on your deck box. You can put it on your face. You can put it on your friend's face. You could use it as like a, like a, what does Adam wear, a fig leaf? Yes. Streak down the street. Yep. As long as you're showing it out in public, you can let us know that you're doing that. Send us a picture of you doing that. Whatever will get you entered into win to, ent, entered into win the entire dark. The entire set of the dark. The whole dark. And it's awesome. It is great. It came in the mail a little while ago, a couple of days ago. And we were looking at it. I was telling you yesterday, I was rubbing the Leviathan on my face. It's in a sleeve, so it's fine. 
But oh, I just felt so good. You don't want to know where he rubbed the blood moon. No, you don't. <laughs> it's on my nose. I told you. Gross. Everybody thought it was going to be my balls or something, but it's not. It's, <laughs> it's my nose. Gross. Here we are making ball jokes. <laughs> uh, no deck list today. No deck list today. This is the bonus episode for Arc of Audience 2.0, and it's a little bit audience-themed in that we would like to give some of our own p- opinions or knowledge well, on... We- the, the commander format to our audience. We put it to the audience and said, hey, what do you think we should talk about for a bonus episode? And they said, why don't you revisit the archetypes and commander? That's what they said. That is exactly what uh, that, one of our patrons said in our Discord. Yeah, so there we go. Speaking of Discord, if you support us on Patreon, you can join the Discord. It's a great community. Lots of people are becoming friends. Um, lots of people have said, oh, I don't want to go to G or MF in Vegas because I don't want to just hang out there by myself. And everyone's like, no, buddy, F that. We're all going to hang out and drink beer and play magic and oh. crush stuff. So if you're looking I'm, to go to, to MF in Vegas, maybe, and you don't have anybody to hang out with, we got you covered, fam. We got you. Yeah. I, You know, I, I have some notes to actually talk about that today. Excellent. We are, uh, FYI, I am probably just going to book a hotel room for, like, you and I. Cool. At the end of the month, like payday at the end of the month or whatever. Love it. Like at the start of June, I'm booking. Excellent. And um, I'll probably book one room, hotel, and it's going to be you and I. Who's so cozy. Uh, we'll probably get two queens. But one <laughs> of us will be sharing because F.U. Joel is going to come too. <laughs> Maybe we'll take turns spooning with Joel. Yeah, we got to bring our official mascot, hey? Yeah. Joel. You know what's so funny is I think like when people see F.U. Joel out in the wild, they're like, they they see his CCO shirt. He's got a couple shirts, right? And uh, they- they know him more than they know us. Yeah, I think th- I think it's because he's better looking than us. Oh, I would and argue. I, he, he looks like he looks like a combination of Heath Ledger mixed with Gordon Ramsay. If anybody sees him out in the wild, tell me I'm wrong. Holy shit! That I've never thought of that. You, you're right. Heath Ledger mixed with Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, I look like animated Tarzan. That's what I get all the time. Minus the bot, I'm kind of I'm a little pudgy right now, but I'm gonna work. I'm working on that. You know what? I look like um, Tintin. Tintin. Or, t- like, when I was in grade six, me and Tintin could have been identical twins. You same hair, same everything. The hair oh, yeah, 100%. Everything? Oh, shit, dude. Yeah, dude, it was like the 90s. <laughs> it was 2000, I think, I was in grade six. Uh, Prince Harry is another one. I have no idea what that I, looks like. Yeah. I wish that I had as much money as him, but I'm glad that I'm not him. Oh, it would su- suck to be him. Yeah, it would totally suck. Except for his wife is, like, totally smoking. I feel like it would be awful to be, like, a royal kid at this point because you know that your mom is just staying alive so you can't be king. Yeah, that's a thing. He Queen can't Elizabeth be king anyways because he's the younger one. She's going to outlive all of her kids. Yeah. I swear to God. She's going to be 300 years she, old. She, Oh, man. She's like a cockroach. Even if there's a nuclear apocalypse, she'll live. Oh, yeah, the whole- web- She'll be queen of the cockroaches after, <laughs> like, North Korea and the United States bomb the earth. And Russia. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah, oh. man. Welcome to CCO Nation. Hopefully yeah. we don't get bombed. That would be great. Or we bomb. Here, Here's another one. Uh, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's another one that kind of looks like me. I don't know who that is. He is the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. That's why I don't know who that is. Yeah. It's a sports reference, Ryan. It's got to be a wrestler or a cartoon character. I don't know if there's any wrestlers that look like me. Anyways. Anyhow. <laughs> we are not any of those yeah, things we're, podcast. We're not a We Like the Royals podcast. We're not a Celebrity Lookalike podcast. We are a Magic the Gathering podcast. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Magic Fest Vegas, you and I are going it's the, like the last weekend in August. Smitty was going to come. Because it's mine and yours and Smitty's birthdays all that same week. Awesome. Like, I'm on the 15th, you're on the... 26th. And Smitty's the 23rd? I think so, yeah. Or something like that? 
it's just going to be you and I. It's going to be like the CCO birthday celebration. Ooh. And there's going to be lots of other content creators there. We're going to meet the guys from CMDR Central, EDH Recast. Um, probably going to hang out with Don Miner from EDH Rec and call him a dirtbag <laughs> again. <laughs> and Lenny and Steve, our friends from California. Well, the uh, What do we call them? The dude bros from the dude bros-in-law. The dude brother-in-laws. Yes. Yeah, so everybody's going to be there that, uh, that we know. And, of course, we're looking forward to meeting anybody from CCO Nation. Yeah, following the whole Lenny and Steve experiment, I'm really excited to meet other people. Yeah, the experiment, you call it? <laughs> yeah, well, we didn't know. It's like, what if these guys are like creepy weirdos? Axe that, murderers. Yeah. They wanted to share an Airbnb, and be, Airbnb with us to and then, like save money and then just murder us. Yeah, and then like wear us as like Brando and Ryan suits. And then they're Brando and Ryan. Oh, man. Right? Like, I didn't know. Those would be the DDO guys. <laughs> Rando and Brian. <laughs> Exactly, but instead we didn't get murdered, and we made two really good friends. So I'm really excited to make more than two more friends. Yeah, like a thousand more. Yeah. It's probably lots. It's probably lots of friends. So we're probably heading down on Wednesday, right? Yeah. Wednesday to Sunday, and I want to find like a late flight back on Sunday so we can like partake in more of the Magic Fest on Sunday than we did last year because we missed like the beta draft, and we missed a whole bunch of commander and just fun stuff right i'm not as we missed the wedding that happened it was a wedding there was a wedding that happened on vegas and we missed it because we had to stupid fly out were we invited everybody was invited oh shit i love weddings yeah i think we could have got hammed we could have got we could have got hammed the whole time we were in vegas ryan didn't we did yeah we did we probably will again fyi absolutely we will yeah because there's no wives this time to hold us back what do you think we are bad You think we're bad at Vegas? We know how it works. We're Canadian, okay? We know how this. We know how Vegas works. Yeah, it's we're from gonna, Saskatchewan. It's, it's we're probably going to be snowing event. here in August, so we're going to go to <laughs> Vegas and just like get sunburns, man. Yeah, get destroyed. I'm going to not buy those beads from those monks that walk around. Oh yeah, oh, that was weird, man. I thought they were trying to pick my pocket the whole time. They probably did. I hope not. So we're talking about Vegas, going and playing Commandy. We have recently partaken in. We call it EDHNM. Yes. EDH Night Magic on Fridays at a local game store here in Saskatoon, and we have very much enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It's growed, growed every week. What do you think about playing out in the wild like we've been doing, or in Calgary a couple months ago, or in Vegas, versus playing in the established Dude Bro metagame? I had reservations going to to Vegas like oh man like my decks are really good playing in our established group but like what maybe they suck out in the wild maybe, maybe they're, they're just meta decks and yeah. like I can't beat real decks yeah maybe and then I did really well in Vegas and so that upped my confidence a little bit I was like cool okay like maybe maybe I'm not bad at this this is cool you played like mono red jank I was going to say Jank Cranko, but it was Jank Norin, not Stax Norin. Just yeah. hard to interact with Norin. Yeah. And you ended up getting 30th in the 500-man EDH championship. Yeah, it was, it was. I did really well. That's really cool. I played like Chaos Norin. It was great. And I was like, okay, cool. And then when we went to Calgary, I noticed an uptick in, okay, now there's commander events. Now there's prizes. Now people are, I don't want to say sharkin', but they're sharkin'. They were. They show up to shark games, and it's like, oh, my God. And now, like, He's not, I'm not hanging in there as good. So I'm like, oh man, like what if we show up to this EDH and M and it's going to be all these people sharking and then a bunch of dirty casuals like me. And now it's just like, oh, we all got to gang up on this guy because he's playing mono blue chain veil Teffrey. And I'm like, holy crap. And everything's going to suck. 
But I've actually, I actually think that some of the best magic that I've played has been in the last three weeks on Friday with these guys in the wild because we have a very balanced power level so far. Well, you know, I'll, I'll stop. I'll just interject just quickly. There, with the 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 trend of let's get closer to CEH, CEDH, but not call it CEDH. Yeah. Or people lying about it. Everybody knows my feelings about people lying about CEDH decks when yep. when they say that they're not, but they are. Right. There has also been a trend right from the top. The official rules committee had introduced that rule zero. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. I did a Commander Ad Populum episode on it too, where it's more kosher, even expected now because it's in the official rules, to sit down and say, what are we doing, right? Yeah, what are we playing right now? More so, like if everybody sits down and says, oh, I've got a pretty tuned competitive deck. Like, okay, fine, don't flip your commanders over right now if you're all agreeing that you're going to play competitively, strong tuned decks. But if you're sitting down at an EDH and M and like, what are we doing? And you say, oh, I just have this jank brew I built like before I came here. Yeah, I built it in the car on the way here, actually. Yeah, yeah. and dude that I was playing against last night was like, yeah, I've got uh, like 11 decks. They're all worth less than $50. And across the table from me was... Um, this is like my 12th game of th- Commander ever. This is my 10th game of Commander ever. So, okay. Um, Animar's at a go away. Yeah. And out comes Lord of Tressorhorn because the expectation is that we're playing... They're still powerful decks. All the decks I played against were powerful, including a mono blue one, but they they were all tuned, sorry, but they weren't necessarily powerful because the commanders and the strategies that were giving them what they did weren't that good. Yeah. Even though they all worked, they all had mana, they all made lots of colors, they all ramp and card draw and all that jazz. They all did all the shit they're supposed to do in a game of Magic the Gathering. But none of them were degenerate. None of them stopped us from doing anything. Other than like the occasional Wrath of God, which is normal. There's right? a Wrath, there's a counter spell, there's a removal spell. Those are normal. You should expect those. And build accordingly. Whether yeah. you're playing in a meta environment like the Dude Bros or out in the wild like at a Magic Fest. Yeah, you have to expect that somebody's going to counter a spell. When you try and gen wave for 40, somebody's probably going to try and counter it. So just be prepared for that. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, That's how life works. Yeah, for sure. So we've seen the trend where people are are starting the dialogue pre-game to say, like, what are we doing? And I think that that's great. I think that's very important. And I think that so far in our experiences out in the wild, people are pretty good about it. And this this makes me think this whole, this what do we call this, the dialogue movement, the rule zero movement, uh, it's important to have multiple decks. Not not I'm not saying, like, take 20 decks to an event, but three, two, three? I bring four. You bring I take, four? Yeah, I bring... Uh, bring th- I bring three, you bring four. Those are good numbers, yeah, probably. Yeah, right? I have like a... Not a high end, but I'll bring Norin or Slivers if we want to, like, let's jam some stuff. Yeah. If we're playing decks that are tuned and strong but not over the top, I have like an Animar or a Crank... Or an Animar, uh, Omnath or Krenko. Yep. And then if I want to play some just jank garbage, I have like a Tatiova Snakes tribal deck that I'm trying to kind of bend into something else. I'm not quite sure what yet, but I'm working on it. Yeah. So I'll bring that on just... I'll test it out on some dudes that I don't usually play with and see how it goes. You know what I like? You know what I like is, this is what I'm thinking, is a fat pack box or a bundle. Sure. Fat pack. A fat pack, when you have double sleeve commandy decks, can fit two decks with a little bit of room for maybe like some tokens and dice. One jank deck, not jank, but whatever tuned, not powerful deck like Lord of Tressorhorn. Yeah. And then maybe one really strong borderline competitive deck 
And then you've got anybody who wants to jam like real legacy light, vintage light commander, you can do that because there is a crowd that wants that now. And you can sit down and ball that. That's that's fine. And or your 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 janky deck, you sit down with anybody else and you can have a lot of fun just talking interacting and politicking with people yeah my favorite part is that i'm getting to play magic with these different there's actually one dude it's been three weeks and every week he cuts a color from his deck what he's played the same deck but like different every week it used to be atraxa now it's gen- then it was genera what was it this week uh i don't remember i didn't get to play with him this week what color did he cut first he cut black then he cut blue so, so it was green white it's just green white now and then was next, it still angel tribal yeah it's angel <laughs> tribal every time he just cuts a color from what it. if he cuts white next time no he said he's gonna do mono white next week oh okay i think he wasn't sure what he was gonna do specifically he was thinking uh iona oh yeah because that's a fun deck <laughs> <laughs> the way he builds is it'll be fine i don't think it'll yeah. be like oh no because he has a track record we talk about that all the time he has a track record of not building these busted ass decks so he yeah he builds like a classic EDH deck that's just fun based on interaction playing big things that you don't see elsewhere. Yep, and they're they're strong decks, but they're not too strong. They're just they're fun to play against. I think they'd be fun to play in general. I'm I'm super pumped to see what he does next week. Yeah, I think ninety percent of all angels ever printed have been limited bombs. So it's just yeah. limited bombs dot deck. Yeah, limited bomb tribal. And nobody can actually be mad about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's he beat me twice. I haven't beat yeah, him yet. So I don't. I have zero so games you're over that guy. Iona and Bane Slayer and uh, what's the one that whenever you gain life, put that many plus ones? Oh, I don't know. I don't play angels, Ryan. Oh. You're playing all of the best angels, and nobody can get mad. Yeah, I hope he's playing uh, Pan, Pan Pentictin, Pantheon, Parmagon the second. It's the new Parhelion. Parhelion two. Parhelion two. Yeah. Yeah. The battle cruiser that makes he, he probably will Geist of Saint Traft, but two of them at once that would be a sarah angel that it makes no it makes a 4-4 vidge flying right but it makes two of them that's a sarah angel yeah but the the parhelion is the geist of saint draft i have no idea what you're talking about well geist attacks and it makes an angel yes the tapped and attacking yes this thing attacks and it makes two angels that are attacking Mm. yeah so it's like geist of saint draft two I guess so. The revenge. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy! So we called this an archetype rundown. We ran down a little bit, you know, what we've seen out in the wild, and maybe our our mindset going into Vegas. Calgary warped our mindset a little bit, but now that we we've contextualized this mindset of everybody's just rah, just playing CEDH cutthroat decks, now it's been tempered a little bit with this rule zero and this dialogue that we're supposed to be having to say, hey, we recognize that people like to play CEDH and we have those decks if you want to play that. Is that what you want? Then they say yes or no. If yes, then that's what we play. That's fine because it's still fun and still magic. It's still playing magic. We'll still drink beer and play magic. Yeah. And if they say no, we'll still have decks now because now we're prepared for those two kind of pathways of play. You're prepared for each inevitability. I like that. Ooh, yeah, yeah, okay. So archetype rundown. I think we're going to start with aggro. You should always start with aggro. It's the best one. It's the first one, alphabetically. And, and the best one, <laughs> alphabetically. I, I have a hot take. Uh-oh. I think most decks in Commandy, and we're talking about, hold on, we'll preface this. Tune decks, but casual. Sure. Fun decks. All right. Not 
hardcore lock out the competitive combo decks stacks, not hardcore competitive control decks. Okay. We're playing fun commander, FNM commander. Yes. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. I think under that umbrella, most commander decks are actually aggro decks. Absolutely. And people say, oh, aggro is traditionally bad in commander because you have to deal 120 points of damage instead of 20. It's fine. Whatever. We've got we've got big mana and the cheating of spells into play and card draw across, I'm going to say every color, I'm going to say it. Yeah. To facilitate aggro and big damage. If anybody thinks that like little aggro creatures can't get it done, should play against a Cranko deck. Yeah, and you always go to Cranko, right? Yeah. Um, well, he's the he's the he is good. Are the littlest aggro creature, right? They're there. the littlest hobos of of aggro, and they get it done, and they get it done well. And people are like, "Oh my God, it's Cranko! We have to kill him because he's too strong." Why? If aggro you, sucks, why is Cranko good? You know what's funny is, uh, you could make an argument that elves are that as well. Yes. But they end up just being a combo deck. And then in a lot of scenarios, they they just kill you with com- like combat damage in their combo deck. So really, are they a combo deck or are they an aggro deck? That's splitting hairs. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. But here's the thing that I think about aggro is most decks in Commander are trying to kill you with creature damage. Or damage. Not usually spell damage. Yeah, but okay. They're trying to, yeah, they're trying to okay. damage you out. They're not trying to just do a combo and then make you draw your whole deck. Or just- yeah, maybe, maybe there's some bleed there between aggro and combo in that... Uh, I don't know if I make going to the Cranko example or the whatever example. Maybe you play Perforos. Sure. The Perforos, Cranko, Goblin Bombardment, Impact Tremors. I know that you're super high on that strategy. Hell yeah. In decks like Cranko, Omnath, Omnath, like the Angry Omnath, Perforos, there is some bleed there from attacking with your creatures early game to landing one of these enchantments to like just sacrificing 20 goblins that you made to. I'm going to air quotes combo. Yeah. But it's not infinite because you can't just make like a billion goblins. You can make 20. And you can't do it again immediately after because yeah. you've burned all your guys. So everybody's at 40. You land your Perforos or you land your Cranko or whatever and you make 20 goblins with your impact tremors. It's going to deal 20 to everybody. You goblin bombardment the rest of maybe one or two people. Yeah. It's like that's pretty aggressive, but it does look sort of like a combo. So there's some bleed there. Yeah, there's always bleed. There's bleed over in every archetype. Yeah. Right? My point is most decks are trying to kill you with creatures, whether that be sacrificing them or attacking with them. Absolutely, right? yeah. And from my experience, it usually looks like early game, you're going to land some small goblins, some aristocrats, right? Some white weenies, some elves, like some mana dorks. And you're going to get some chip-in damage. I'm going to take one guy from maybe 40 to 35. Yeah. Right. That's that'll like late game. That'll save me two Omnath death triggers. Yeah. Those those little damages that you're gonna like. You have do, a two, do, three, and you just get in there against one guy once, the other guy once. You they don't they have blockers now, so then you hit the third guy. Somebody's somebody's got an artifact that you could kill, but you attack somebody else with a Trigon Predator because you don't like his commander. Yeah. Right. And people are hesitant to do that, and I think that uh, here's another hot take. I think that it is wrong to avoid attacking. Because you say, I don't want to make enemies on turn two, turn three. Get your chip-ins, kids. It's important. What do you think? I think that depends entirely on when you look down at your hand, what you see. Because there have definitely been hands where I'm thinking to myself, okay, I could definitely kill whatever Ryan's doing. 
but I'm not going to right now because if he decides he just wants to boot stomp me, I don't think I could stop him based on what I have right now. Okay. So, like, sometimes you got to... Because it's not like my disenchant is going to be any less relevant against your stuff the next round, right? On turn four, killing your thing is not as good as killing it on turn two, but I can this, still this kill that stupid turn, thing. Turn two, three, four, five, maybe those are still chip-in damages. Yeah, like, you're still right? getting that. The so, threat's still being removed, but you're not making that enemy. You're giving yourself a chance to... Okay, so here's here's the thing. I, I land my I'm playing black red or I'm playing something with black and I get a Zulaport cutthroat on two and on turn three I attack you with my Zulaport cutthroat because I don't care about making an enemy and then I run out a Frexian arena. One is aristocrats, you know that I'm gonna get like late game benefit from it if it sticks that long. And the arena is gonna get me to the late game if it survives. Right? Right. And I get a chip in damage on you for one with the cutthroat. Then it comes to your turn. Do you, do you, like, have I made an enemy enough by hitting you for one that you're going to blow your turn three and leave a mana up to get my Phyrexian Arena before I even draw a card off it? So I waste a card and, and, a th- and three mana? Like, or do I just get my one in because you're not going to disenchant my arena? I'm worried that my arena might get destroyed because I attack you for one. I, I that don't think not, that anybody I, should worry about that because I think that that one might not be the I don't want to say the best example, but like you used a Trigon Predator in your earlier example. Like yeah. if you're gonna just Trigon Predator somebody's Sol Ring right away, that's gonna make an enemy hitting me for the, one. Well, and that that, like, that usually is the right play because Sol the, Ring yeah. Sol Ring boosts you by two turns. Yeah, and I mean maybe Sol Ring isn't a good example either, but like you you don't want to attack somebody and like wreck them up immediately because they could just turn around and just fuck your face off yeah you know what i think i think making an enemy early game if you have some way to like maybe you dink a guy with like just tokens on turns three four five and you've done 10 to him i think that that's non-negligible and that will make an enemy but if i go like you know what i've been trying lately just kind of subconsciously is keeping all the life totals in the game kind of on on par so I'll hit you for one, I'll hit your player two, I'll hit player three for two next turn, and then on the next turn, uh, player four will get two and you'll get another one. So everybody's at 38 now except for me, right? So I've, I've, been, I've been keeping all the life totals going down at the same time. It makes for a little bit of an interesting game and it gives the other players that aren't me, when I'm playing aggro, it makes them, instead of making me the enemy, it makes them more incentivized to attack each other because you're getting the other guy closer to zero life. And I'm the aggro deck, so maybe early to mid game I have more life because I've been doing the aggressing. Well, early game aggro in EDH is hard because that's where you get that kind of, you're going to develop like, oh, well, this guy's playing some kind of lightning fast aggro deck, even if you're not, but yeah. you're getting in there. Well, you're getting in for three and for four. Well, and that's why and I call it chip like, in damage, right? Like yeah, in, and people in, are just going to get you at that point. It's like, well, this guy's obviously super aggressive, so I'm going to blow him out. And hope he doesn't rebuild, and that's just a feel bad. Yeah, and I mean... That's where the enemy thing comes in, where somebody's going to just blow a pyroclasm just to fuck you. We're almost there. Just give me one second. Yeah. When I'm talking, like, chip-in damage early game, that's turn two, three, four, maybe. Yeah. Right? And then after that, it, it turns into the next kind of damage that an aggro deck is looking to do. And I call that, like, meaningful damage. Sure. Right? And that's when you've scaled up from your mana dorks or your Zulaport cutthroats, like your one drops, two drops. 
you scale up to your four fours and five fives. Now you've got your scavenging ooze with some counters on it, or your exactly, or, or I landed like a, or I landed on turn four a bane slayer angel. Yeah, that's meaningful damage because I hit you for one, and you're already at like thirty seven or thirty eight. All right, sorry, I hit you with one creature. You're already at thirty seven or eight. I hit you for five more. Now you're at thirty two. That's almost twenty five percent of your life total gone. It's turn five, and I I'm just playing the aggro plan. Even if I'm, I mean I'm an aggro deck. I'm playing creatures. I have yeah. to attack because I'm playing creatures. That's how I win. That's yeah. how the deck works. Yeah. Yeah. I think at that point you start to make enemies. Well, that's when you start making that. That <laughs> is when you it's when you have to make. Enemies. If I've pulled ahead because you didn't disenchant my Phyrexian Arena from that example from before, I've drawn between turn two and turn five. Now I've drawn. Sorry, turn three and turn five. I've drawn two cards off of that for three mana. So I've made my cards back. And now what do you do? Do you kill my Bane Slayer and further your board position? Or do you kill my Phyrexian Arena and further your board position? Both. But maybe you can't do both. I decimate your stupid angel and your fucking thing. And this guy's Sol Ring and I blow up somebody else's land. The corner case of you having exactly <laughs> that, though? Yeah. Well, this is me, Ryan. You've got one instance of decimating your deck. I've got... I've got 10 five fives for five, right? I guess. That, and I'm just playing devil's advocate to your decimate argument. Right? Well, if it's, well, then it's okay. Then I'll just ramp out and play fucking all this dust. And now we're talking about corner. Like, that's that's control deck. Yeah, sweep, sweep, sweep. Well, you're playing aggro. I'm playing control in, the, in this example. Yes. <laughs> right? Like, you start I'm, making enemies when you start getting into meaningful damage. When you play yes. Baneslayer Angel, Baneslayer Angel is going to die. And then, because you've pulled away, you've played Phyrexian Arena and Baneslayer Angel, the other guy's probably going to kill your Phyrexian Arena. And the other guy's going to hit that, you for three. That's that's when aggro starts to get bad, right? Because I've got probably the two most powerful cards on the table on turn four if they're Phyrexian Arena and Baneslayer. Yeah. And now aggro's all of a sudden bad. And everybody that plays EDH was right saying aggro's bad because both my cards are dead. But everybody's between 30 and 35 life because of me, and I still netted two cards off of that. Yeah. That friction arena. So, like, is it that bad? I and don't you're know. still going to draw a card every turn. I'll, and prob I'll probably just things. have drawn another threat that I can put down if my Bane Slayer dies. Also, you're playing black white aggro, which isn't probably the. <laughs> yeah. It probably isn't the best. And I'm playing Impact Tremors too, so it's Martyr. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just trying to contextualize that, like, aggro is ever present. and You're never going to get away from it. Yeah. And I think that it's better than most people get it, give it credit for because moving players plural, from 40 to 30 or around 30 yeah. in the first few turns of the game is, like, actually good. Yeah, well, that's how my whole game works. I have, what, like, two non-aggro decks? Yeah, well, if you get... Your, here's the thing, right? You get your chip-in damages from your early guys in your Omnath deck, and you've eliminated, like, five or six life points from a player. At the end of game, when you sacrifice all your elemental tokens, that's two less tokens that you need now. Yeah. to kill somebody because you've just attacked them for one or two points of damage a couple times. Omnath doesn't attack for one and two. It only attacks for five. <laughs> Get your chip-ins yeah. is the point. Yes, nothing else swings in Omnath unless it's five or more. Hopefully that, more. That actually brings us a little bit to like end-game damage. End-game damage sometimes is how... That's when, you're finger, that's when you're swinging with 16 10-10s. You have your... Yeah, that's when you elf-balled and then crater-hoof, yeah, right? You've got shared animosity and 40 goblins. You've got critical mass in Omnath. You've got all of your snake lords or <laughs> yeah. all your zombie lords. Or you've... 
all Balthor your Morfolk and, and Wizard Lords in yeah, like, mist form. Yeah, like you've got 10,000 bird tokens. You storm herded and you've got a hundred son of a bitch and guys. Like that's where that, that's, that's what that is. And I think. That's where I untap and I win. That's what you say. If that, I untap, that pretty I win. much is how most aggro games end. Li- uh, end games, right? Yeah. Aggro decks end games. Yeah, we are going to untap and we are going to win the game. It's how they work. Yeah, and okay. that's fun to say too. I'm going to untap and I'm going to win. And then unless gonna... anybody can stop me. Yeah, unless you can stop me. And then people try and they fail. That's why sack outlets are important. And you laugh at them. Yeah, sack to deal a damage, sack to get mana, sack to draw cards, whatever it is. That's why sack outlets are important. Yeah. Even if they're tap and sack effects you can sacrifice one of your creatures to get a benefit that's sometimes Can sometimes be. enough if you just need like an extra couple points of life or sometimes an- you just need to block the bane slayer and then sack the blockers so you don't gain five life yeah so that's a real thing i do that all the time yeah for sure okay last little bit on aggro most important fundamental this is pretty ethereal and it's gonna probably change from meta to meta Ooh, scaling but yeah. Th- this is this is what we're going to try and do. What's the most important thing to an aggro deck? Is it card advantage? Is it card draw? Those are different things. Card draw and card advantage. Card draw is card advantage, but card advantage might not be card draw. Like if I Wrath of God and get seven of your creatures, I've spent one card to get seven of your cards. I feel like that's we, card advantage. I feel like you and I view those terms differently. Okay. Because you say card advantage, I say board advantage. Because what's important to aggro is board advantage. Yep. Having more shit in your hand or having more options not in play doesn't help aggro that much. You need... Until it gets Wrath of God, and then you're like, oh, I guess I have zero cards in hand. Well, you can't recover, right? You have to rebuild. That's why you don't overextend. But, like, board advantage is what makes aggro win games. Like, I have more resources in play that I can then utilize to, to beat you to death. That's where the aggro yeah. problem comes into play. That's where aggro is the strongest, is in front of you on the board. You can have tricks. You can play tricks. You can do all that stuff. You have to manage your resources. Very, very important. But at the end of the day, it's all going to come down to what's on your play mat in front of you. That's right. And the other couple fundamentals that are probably worth mentioning are things like ramp. Ramp is, I know, for your Omnath deck or your Windgrace deck, for examples. Yep. I'd probably call Omnath an aggro deck, but Windgrace maybe not. Yeah, Windgrace probably. I'm not sure what the hell Windgrace. He's a little is. bit of. He's a little bit controlly, right? He's, he's gonna a, he's gonna run a lot of destruction spells, and he's gonna just aim to get his card advantage through drawing cards off of Windgrace and discarding lands. Were you in that game where I turn four decimated, turn five Windgrace's judgment, turn six casualties of war? Were you there in that game? That sounds like a Brando thing. Because it happened, and I was <laughs> rock hard the entire time. Oh, that felt so that good. That is excellent. <laughs> that speaks, that, that reads like a control deck. Yeah. Yeah, if you're, if you're doing those things while drawing cards from Planeswalker activations yeah. to, on turn seven, get a bunch of land back from your graveyard to regrowth and do one of those cards again. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, was that good, sounds like a really control good. deck to me. Felt really good. So what's even most important to aggro? Probably board advantage, your virtual card advantage on the table, and I think maybe in, cheating stuff out with like fast ramp. I don't know. I, this is important for every deck, but I think, at least because I play so much aggro, this is something I think about lots, is when you're building your deck, you have to think about scaling. I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Okay. Where you have your deck has to be able to scale to early game chip-ins, to mid-game do something that actually counts. Yep. 
and then have a way to get to that end game where you just over the win. top. Oh, you got to go over the top and then up a little bit more. Like you got to be able to do all those things. And if you focus on just, I'm going to play all these little dudes and I'm going to try to win the game and do 120 damage by turn three with my little aggro. No, you're not. Pyroclasm. Exactly. Or any wrath effect. Yeah, or you're just playing nothing where you have no, you have nothing until turn four. You can't do that either because then all the chip in damage is coming at you and you're coming out of the blocks at 28 life because people just hit you so they can draw a card with their merfolk looter. <laughs> Other right? people are getting their chip ins. Other right? people are chipping in at you. And then if you just build for that top end, which I know I do with Omnath, but Omnath might be not a good example. And this is arguably a good strategy in Commander because, again, in, in the casual meta that we're talking about right now, if you could you know, turn two, rampant growth, turn three, cultivate, turn four, maybe some kind of meaningful artifact or enchantment. Turn five, maybe what's the one the six drop artifact that you tap for three? Or a Thran Dynamo. A Thran Dynamo. So or on, a, on turn five or six you've got like twelve mana. Like Gilded Lotus or whatever. Yeah, like, like that isn't a terrible strategy because not at all. Lots of times if you're not sitting down with three other aggro decks you'll still be at 40 on turn five yeah and you're the chip in damage isn't going to kill you we just talked about that so yeah. you're so gonna yeah you'll be coming out at 28 if you're if you are at if if you do build your aggro decks to be over the top aggro decks only i mean you can do it you just have I've to you have, it, you have like, to sit down in the right meta to make sure that you're not going to come out of the blocks at 28 like you say yeah or be in like a position where the combo deck has already beaten you because you have no interaction with it because you're so focused on Ooh. getting to your end game on turn three fundamental for aggro how much interaction do you need do you need uh do you need tef's protection in aggro decks do you need lazatep plating new one that i like do you need heroic intervention you need probably one of those things at least like, counterspell if you're playing green you should have a grip if you're playing white and you have you hate money, you should probably have a Tef's Protection. You should have some way of interacting with a combo, even if it's just one or two ways. You can't be too afraid of the combo boogeyman, but you have to be aware that it exists. Even in casual metas, like our episode from yesterday, that's not a CDH combo, but it's a combo that'll get you if you don't have some way of interacting it'll with it. It'll certainly get you if you can't interact with it, yeah, for sure. Should we, should we move into combo? Let's do it. Okay, I think that we could probably jump right into the fundamentals of, con uh, of combo. Yes. Because... For the most part, combo doesn't care about what you're doing. And we're not talking about CDH combo here. We're talking about kitchen table combo, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what the combo that got me, almost got me last night was Gaunti stole a Ashnod's Altar, then played a Panharmonicon, and then got a Siege Gang Commander, six tokens, sacked it, reanimated, six tokens, sacked it, reanimated, six tokens, and it had a... Anger. Zulaport Cutthroat. That's why I had that card on the mind. Yeah. And the uh, the Ashnod's Altar just let him sacrifice. So he had like, I don't know, 20-some damage on board by sacrificing tokens for mana. It's fine. It's pretty good, yeah. That's a combo. Killed a guy. And it's funny. It killed the player he gaunted. It killed that player, and he lost his... The Altar. The Altar before he could combo and kill me. So he he just played it a little bit incorrectly, but that's the type of combo I'm talking about. He also had a new Liliana, so every time he sacrificed a creature, he drew another card. That's awesome. Oh my god. So I think more than anything, combo really cares about card draw, so it can see more cards that are going to let it combo, or find its combo piece, and it cares about interaction or protection, 
right? Like, would it be more interaction than, or more protection than interaction? Because technically, it doesn't care what you're yeah, doing. Is I that guess a thing? M- m- lots of times, people just call interaction like that's the mother term. Okay, and then your interaction has the subcategories: removal, counterspells, sure, stuff like that. Right? Hand yeah. disruption is an interaction. Yeah. So, if if like if you cast a spell that draws you ten cards. I don't care that you have 10 more cards than I do because I have the cards that I have to combo. The only thing I'm concerned about is that in those 10 cards, you drew something that is going to stop my combo. So I need interaction or protection to stop you from having the card that's going to disrupt me. Yeah, like you didn't draw a trick bind. You didn't draw the grip. You didn't yeah, draw the force. Exactly, yeah. right? And... I don't know, like, do we see a bunch of combo in... I think you see incidental or accidental combo in casual games more than you see, like, dedicated combo like in CEDH, right? Agreed. I think that most of those combos are there as, like... I think that most of them are backups. Almost all the combos that I have played... Oh, yeah, backup win condition. It's just they're, they're there to push it over the top. I couldn't find a way to make my guys swing in for 120, so I figured out a way that I can do 120 another way. And I think that's what a lot of the combos that you see at the casual table is, are doing. Yeah, that's right. Like your peripheral stack, I didn't find my anger to get it into my graveyard to get all my tokens to attack. So I found a, I play a goblin bombardment and just sacrifice everything. Yeah, we'll figure out another way. Like I can't attack. You have a, you have a moat. What the hell am I going to do? I'm playing mono red. You have a moat. You got to figure out something else. I think <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. I think oh, that's you know thing. what? Um, yesterday's list. When we suggested exsanguinate, one card combo exsanguinate and Big Daddy Black. Yeah. That's like the ex- the backup win condition. Yes. We always say have, we always used to say yeah. have multiple ways to win. Yeah, pack in your additional win condition. Sometimes you just got to win the game. And when I'm playing, if, if I want to try and aggro you out, that's going to take a bunch of card slots. Whereas a combo might only take two or three card slots. So they're a lot more compact to have as a second win con. Yes. So you can kind of dodge the 100 cards in your deck maximum, or 100 cards exactly rule by just saying, well, I guess this Ashnod's Altar gives me mana in a token deck, but it's also going to let me combo if I need that. Mm-hmm. If somebody's got moat, like you say. Yeah, sometimes you just got to do that kind of stuff. Or and combo has those that flexibility. Not everybody has like $400 kicking around, so maybe if somebody has... Magus of the Moat. I was going to say like Windborn Muse or something, you can't kill it. Or a Propaganda. Sure, yeah, And yeah. you're tapped out. Ghostly Prison, yeah. Yeah, so then you just need your Goblin Bombardment. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I don't want to spend too much time on combo because you, you're not going to see a whole ton of dedicated combo decks. Combo happens, you have to be aware of it. But don't be afraid of it, and don't build your decks as, oh, I'm just going to get comboed on turn three, this deck sucks. Never say that about anything you ever build. And I think the most important way, and it's funny, the most important thing to combo is interaction, and the most important way to beat it is interaction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And lots of combos don't actually involve exclusively creatures, like aggro decks, and I think when they're attacking you. Going back to what we started the show with when we were in Calgary, I think a lot of those combo decks were just assuming that nobody was going to pack interaction because everybody was just playing their casual fun, fun aggro decks yeah yeah so rather than bouncing creatures off each other nobody really had that interaction to deal with their stupid combos yeah that's why you said trinisphere would have been so good and oh my god the Trinis- calgary oh, trinisphere would have won me every game i played in yeah and that's awesome yeah say whatever you want about like 50 dollars cards winning games but <laughs> there you you don't want to call it a pay to win game but sometimes you can pay some money and win games 
That's a real thing. And yeah. I hate saying that. I hate <laughs> yeah, saying that. That's actually funny. Okay, let's get into control because I think control bleeds into combo and aggro more than the other whatever's bleed into whatever. Especially in EDH. Yeah. If if I were to say, like I said, I think most decks are aggro decks. Yes. If somebody said, I think most decks are control decks and they gave me a good reason, I'd believe them. Okay, all right. Because everybody runs some number of sweeper effects, Wrath of Gods, evacuations, rifts, decree of pain, the pyroclasm type things, decree of annihilation, jockalops, right? Now we're talking. I'm speaking my language. Those grant you immediate card advantage because you're killing multiple cards with one card. Yes. And that, I think, is the most important fundamental for a combo deck. Just, like, getting the most bang for your buck. That's control deck. That's what I meant. Yeah, I know what you meant. What did I say? Combo deck. Control deck. Most bang for your buck. Yes. Efficiency, efficiency, efficiency. Redundancy, redundancy, redundancy. That is control. And I think if we're talking about that bleed, you're going to see decks that are going to try and control the board. Lots of interaction, lots of sweepers, lots of protection for its stuff. Uh, Lots of really broad, like, sweeping strategies where it's like, Torp Orb, shut off everything. And then... Combo backup win. Yeah. And that's where the bleed comes from, right? Because it's already running the things that combo wants in interaction. From a hypothetical ethereal standpoint, you you don't technically win games by stopping your opponents from doing stuff. You have to actually do stuff. There needs to be some proactivity. <laughs> yes, you have to attack them. You have to kill them with a... Sp- you have to do something to make them end their lives. You can't just stall the game out until they just go somewhere in the house and end their lives. You yeah, can't do and that. you know what? Going back to your Windgrace deck, your example with the, what is it, Decimate, uh, Windgrace Judgment, Casualties, Casualties of War. War, that sounds like an excellent turn four, five, six, and then you, like, all of those turns you're drawing cards from Windgrace activations, if you have them out. You, might, you probably don't, but if you did, you draw cards, draw cards, draw cards till you find your regrowth or whatever, and you... You get the casualties back. You, get, you do that all again, right? So when the board is cleared and everybody's kind of ran out their resources and you might have, like, strip-mined or wastelanded a few lands to really shut them down, get them off a of color or get them off their cradle or something, then you can sh- flip gears and play your Titania or your Omnath and... and now it's time for Avenger Zendikar to come out. Oh, yeah. And land, 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 and... Beat down. Die. You yeah. switch gears, and that's where the bleed is. And, and people will say that that's, that's combo, or people will say that's control in a nutshell because you just control the board till you find your win condition. But in a three-player, four-player game, three opponents, you're going to really need to have a stout aggro plan. You will have to work, and your stout, and your aggro plan has to have some kind of resiliency to it because what if they just... You know Path what? your guy, right? I, I think like if you if you imagine your deck as like a weave or a pattern that you're developing. I was thinking weave like in my hair. Well, sort of. It starts as it starts as your real hair that's growing out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> your pattern is all control stuff. And then you slowly weave in the 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 beginnings of your aggro plan and you're phasing out your control plan 
until you know that all the control that needed to happen has happened. And then by that time, you're fully on the aggro plan to close the game out. Or you're comboing or you're... Yeah, yeah. You've, you've weaved from your natural brown hair to your cotton green hair. Yeah. And now you're fully green haired by the end of the game. <laughs> you look like Super Saiyan 18 Goku. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking Blanca, but then he's green with red hair. Yeah, he has orange hair, so. Yeah, dang it. <laughs> well, people know where I'm coming from. Absolutely. You phase do. in your aggro plan, and there's your bleed, right? Yes. And I think out in the wild, that's the other kind of deck you see the most often, where you have somebody that's just trying to survive until they can stick a few big, uh, very EDH-y threats. That's, uh, who, who is I think? I'm thinking about uh, Alex's, F.U. Alex's Aloro deck is like that. Where he lands that storm or yesterday, he was like, yeah, 50. It's fine. It's whatever. I got 51 ones with flying. Yeah, he got a, he got evacuationed. Oh! oh. <laughs> <laughs> At least he doesn't have to discard the hand size. That was, you were actually talking, I don't know if you... I think you said it off the air, where one of the things about playing in, in the wild is you can't say, yeah, you're an idiot for making that play or whatever, like to oh, go with yeah. them. Um, I'm thinking to myself, God damn it, I can't deal with Alex. I can deal with Alex having 100 life, but I can't deal, him, deal with him having 50 guys. And I'm playing Omnath. I don't know what the hell to do. And buddy evacuations, and I'm playing Omnath. You put my Omnath back in my hand. I have like 14 mana. It's like, dude, are you... Are you in for a world of shit when I untap again? <laughs> yeah. And I will be able to because everything threatening me is gone now. Yeah, man. Um, and it was like it's it's, no, it's cool. Funny. I think that's maybe maybe we close out on that. I think that's my favorite part of playing in the wild is people. You guys all know my. You guys know all my tricks now. That's where I was going. Is yeah. is I I call Jesse an idiot for making the wrong play. I tell him it's the wrong play and call him an idiot because I wanted him to do something else or I wanted him to attack me or. You know, it's like, don't roll a dice to to see what you kill. Yeah. Just kill it or not kill it. And then he's going to kill my stuff, and then I have a reason to actually target him and save myself from making an enemy elsewhere. There's the enemy thing again. Right? In the wild, I can't just call a stranger an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> you should never call people idiots, but, I mean, you have to understand that we're, we're around, all friends. Around our table, we're all friends. It's we a term of endearment. Of, we say all sorts of terrible stuff to each other and about each other's moms. It just happens. Oh, yeah, it's terrible. It's the truth. I can't do that in the wild, so I have to make a little bit more on-board deals. Hey, I won't attack you. I'll keep your Liliana alive because I only have one artifact, one creature, and three land. So if you ultimate that Liliana, it's going to wreck these two guys' day, and I only lose, like, two things. Yeah. Right? So I'll leave that alone. You, Mr. Liliana, attack this guy. That's an on-board political deal that I know that guy's taken care of, Liliana guy is okay, so now I only have one guy to, to worry about. Happened to be the mono blue player. <laughs> so he got killed. Yeah, that guy. But th I guess that's 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 the main difference I've found. You know, me metagame and archetypes aside, it's like I can't just, I can't be me. I got to be like politically correct me, <laughs> right? And just make onboard deals. I have a, I have a, you didn't play as much around the stores as I did. So I kind of had a reputation coming in as like, oh, there's, there's Brando again. Oh, no. Right? And it's like, so I can kind of be a little bit more Brando-y. Yeah, that's right. And and get away with it. You'll get there too, kid. You'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> when I grow up, I want to be just like Brando. Oh, I hope somebody who I don't know says that someday. I hope my kid does not say that. Oh, <laughs> 
Oh, come on. No, and yeah, if he says it, I'd be okay with it. I'm, I'm an okay guy. His long hair. <laughs> I want to shave his hair into a mohawk. Rebecca won't let me. Why? I don't know. You know, you know, remember Animal from Legion of Doom? Yes. Give him that haircut. Where he's got like the bowl around the, 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 the sides of his head and he's got the mohawk down the thing and he's got this this here. What the hell? Just what's He's a baby. What's he going to do about Can it? Can we tell people to Google that? Absolutely. Animal from LOD. Look him up. That's he has, totally the, he has the coolest hair, man. I think for a little while in the 80s, he even had like the little rat tail coming off the back. Oh, oh dude. Oh, man. My, my kid has like ringlet curls. Little blonde ringlet curls. And he can actually say your name now. I, I think you, you heard him say it the other day, but yeah. when I'm editing videos or whatever, he wants to come sit up on my lap and he just laughs his ass off. Because we're funny. We're hilarious. But mostly he's like... 19 months old so he thinks like everything he thinks everything's the everything best. that dad does is the best everything he's seen is the best thing ever yeah so if you want to be like my kid and laugh go watch us on youtube <laughs> that's like, it that's all i got that's all i got as well i so, hope i hope our archetype rundown what are we like 110 episodes later yeah did we do it some more justice? We've had 110 shows of opinions and experience to kind of draw on. Yeah. I hope some people let us know if, if you think we're on point with it in the discord. If you're a patron on YouTube, if you get it there or wherever else you can leave con comments on our stuff, maybe just get after us on Twitter. Yeah. Twitter or like say commander code at gmail.com. Tell us we're wrong or tell us that we're the best. Yeah, anything in between those two things? You're the worst, you're the best? Oh, Just oh, I got know, it, man. I got it. Make yourself a face-to-face -face games account. Go leave us a comment on the episode posted at face-to-facegames.com. Get yourself entered to win 25 bucks. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I like that too. Or you could leave a review on iTunes and get yourself entered to win the dark. Oh. The whole dark. And nothing but the dark. And sleeves. They're all sleeved. I was so happy that they were all sleeved. Yeah, that way I got to like touch them with my skin. Gross. <laughs> all right, I think that's all for us. Big shout out to our sponsors over at face2facegames.com, Canada's biggest magic store. And a special thanks to you guys for joining us each and every week. We wouldn't be here without all of your support, and we really appreciate everything you have done for us. So, for Ryan and myself, thank you for joining us on another episode of Commander Cookout Podcast. Hit our theme song! Ooh.